this idea of like work-life balance is something that I also reject um, for that reason, which is like, it's, you can't separate them. It's not about, right? It's like, you're just constantly juggling both and they often overlap. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Wait Hold Up, a podcast where we talk to homegirls, experts, and others to help us live our most authentic lives. I'm Jessica. And I'm Yarel. And like always, wherever you are, thank you so much for joining us. We're so pumped for this week's episode and glad that you're here with us. Totally. I feel like um, we should start to do a segment of like, where in the world is Jessica? Because I'm currently <laughs> sitting in a bathroom. Uh, it's a large bathroom at the least. Yeah, record this. I know. It's, I'm, I'm going to be taking photos. Looking <laughs> mad creepy because there's no lights around me. Uh, but I'm on vacation with my family. But we had to drop this episode uh, because it's honestly a conversation that Yadel and I we're so excited to have because we have the incredible, incomparable Mina Harris. Mina's a lawyer, a best-selling children's book author, producer, and founder of the Phenomenal Woman Action Campaign. She also just happens to be the niece to the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris. So excited for today's conversation and chat. And I feel like it, it turned into a girlfriend you know like we were we've known each other for so long and we were just like really catching up on what's going on with life um we're huge fans of Mina I feel like all the work that she's been doing lately when it comes to phenomenal and her books and um the activism that she's doing so yeah I mean just excited and happy that she was able to to share her space and her energy with us for real. I mean, the fact that we were able to like get some time on her calendar, it was like <laughs> such an honor. And she, to your point, like she's such a home girl, like she's just very, right. and I think like was able to speak about like raising children, busting her ass in her company um, and just being like someone who's very comfortable in their own skin. And mm-hmm. that's always conversations that we're trying to have here, because I feel like that's who, you know, what we're working on always and, you know, right. where we're at and interesting for me because I'm at that point where I'm like, okay, now I want to have kids with my partner. Yeah. And so I'm so fascinated by women who are so fierce and, and you know, entrepreneurial, but also our ha- moms. Um, right. So conversation was also just like, even if we weren't talking about motherhood specifically, it was just like, I was like getting like gems and little nuggets here and there. Um, right. So we really cannot wait for y'all to hear this episode. We're not even going to do a long intro here because we just want to get into the good stuff. Right. So we hope you enjoy this conversation that we had with Mina Harris. Mina Harris, thank you so much for being with us today. We are so excited to have you, to chat with you. You don't even want to look at the list of, of all these themes and topics that we have for you, okay? Because there's a lot of a lot of stuff that we like to talk to you about. But first, tell us how you're doing. How's everything going with you? How's life? Oh, man. Uh, well, good to see you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, life is just, it just feels chaotic, <laughs> all the time. Uh, so I'm kind of exhausted, a little bit frenzied. I think, you know, still feeling the living through a global pandemic, uh, but, you know, and like being at home with kids and just juggling everything. Uh, however, I do feel, you know, like hopeful and I feel positive. I feel, you know, I think, I feel like I can see the light at the end of the tunnel in a way that, I definitely did not <laughs> see last year. Um, I mean, last year was more for me defined, I would say, obviously by the pandemic, but also the election and just like getting through the election and of course, ideally winning <laughs> the election. So now that mm-hmm. we've done that, I do feel like relief, but um, now that we have the vaccine and I just got my first shot, like it's a, it's a different feeling of, of hope and just sort of, you know, also relief, um, but really feeling like I can look ahead um, in a way that I did not feel last year. So that feels good. 
Yeah, I think so many of us can relate to that. I just feel like that's so relatable. I'm like, (laughs) yes, like, it's like, at this point, I'm like, let me just let's just get out of this. You know, I I postponed a wedding last year. So I'm like, well, eventually, that'll happen. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, nothing feels that serious versus like, thousands of people like losing their lives and people like struggling with their livelihoods. So like, you know, there's, but at the same time, I'm, I'm the one thing that I've adopted this year is like the two, two things can be true, right? Like, it's not like, oh, Mm -hmm. I can't be sad for people, but then at the same time, sort of sometimes be sad for myself about certain things. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's just like the reality of like what so many of us are living through. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And not feeling, I think there's a difference between like, lacking self-awareness to understand that there's so much pain mm-hmm. and suffering and yeah that may be you know greater um in many ways than what we may be experiencing based on whatever privilege and right other things that in comparison are sort of like let's be grateful for mm-hmm. you know, good health and sort of really I think this has allowed so many of us to get back to the basics you know of, of being thankful for health and family and right uh just given all of the um, pain and suffering that's all around us, but at the same time, um, you know, not feeling, um, guilt, right. About, about grieving, you know, your own losses, whatever they may be, whether it's said the wedding or a graduation, or like, we still need to feel those things and their real feelings and experiences of, of loss in a, in a different, you know, way. That's obviously not the extreme of, of death, which is, was obviously what, um, so many, families have experienced. Um, but I think it's an important point of just, you know, honoring your own feelings and experiences. And that's not to the exclusion of understanding, um, and being empathetic to other people's experiences. A thousand percent, a thousand percent. I completely agree. You know, and in, in thinking about like experiences and our, every like unique story that we all bring to, to life. I would just love to kind of go back to the beginning for you and, and really understand a little bit about your upbringing in Oakland. Um, you were raised by a single mom and your grandmother was super influential in your life. And I think one of the things that's so true about you is that you were just like, you were raised by like some strong ass women. And so I would just love (laughs) to like learn about what that was, what that environment was like, because that's, that's rare for a lot of people. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to start phrasing it that way. I was raised by some strong ass women. That is absolutely true. Uh, and it's sort of like, it's interesting just to also think, you know, about how my grandmother was raised and it's sort of like strong women is definitely in our like DNA or in our <laughs> family history. Like her, my great grandmother was also very, you know, strong willed opinionated, uh, you know, uh, woman. So I think that it's, it's gotten sort of just passed down, which speaks I think, mm-hmm. to the power of that and being raised in that environment. Uh, and yeah, you, I mean, you mentioned that it's, it's unique and it's something that I've come to appreciate more, I would say not only as an adult, but also, uh, as a, a, a parent, you know, of how unique it was to be raised in, in, um, in that family of all women, um, so yeah, it, it's interesting though. I think there's two ways that I, I look at it. One is like looking back and appreciating it and realizing how uh, formative it was for me. And then the other is like, you know, as a kid in that moment, it's really all I knew, right? Speaking of it being just sort of like in our DNA or, or just all around me all the time was strong women, right? And um, I joke that it was sort of like the opening scene of the Wonder Woman movie where it's like mm-hmm. all female, you know, sovereign island nation where they're just like running around helping each yeah. other and saving the world. And like, that's what it looked like as a <laughs> like, child so like, view of that yeah. and row seat. Like that's totally how it felt. Uh, and in that way, like, you know, male leadership or, you know, obviously I saw it in, in the real world, like outside of, you know, as I got older, but in my home and in my worldview for a long time, like women were in charge, right? Women were mm-hmm. doing um, extraordinary things in the world. And um, yeah, I, I feel very lucky uh, to have had that. And now as a parent, I, I take very seriously sort of the responsibility of passing that on, you know, to my, my mm-hmm. own daughters, but also realizing that their circumstances are different, right? In many yeah. ways, I have a lot more privileges than 
my mom had and uh, that my grandmother had. Um, and, you know, we have men in our family now. We've let some <laughs> men in along the way. They're still outnumbered, uh, I believe. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's just, it's different. And how do I like replicate or, or put, you know, uh, pass it on in, in a way that sort of, you know, uh, I, I realizes that it's different, right? And mm-hmm. that means that it, in some instances, there's, you know, a different approach or sort of a different way of thinking about it, but still carrying that, you know, commitment um, to showing strong women to, and I think a lot of, you know, parents are, are hopefully doing that. It's not just about, yeah. you know, me being raised that way and me therefore having sort of a commitment to it. I think all of us can be doing that. And we know that it's important for, for girls and for boys too, but having lived through it, you know, I realized just how powerful it was. So I feel, I think even more of a sense of almost like sometimes anxiety, like, how do I do this? How do I you know the same way? And I think I have to let go of that a little bit and, and trust that like, you know, the way I'm, the way we're doing it, hopefully works, right. uh, works out, but you know, it is showing up with a real deep commitment to it and yeah. a real, um, you know, and an aspirational, right. Sort of, uh, thinking of, of how I want to be a parent and, and how we, how we approach parenting. Right. I, I love that you mentioned, you know, uh, you as a parent as well. And cause I think I, I love, every time you share like a photograph with your grandmother or a trip to India, I feel like a lot of women that are like first, second generation, right. Like Jess and myself kind of can relate to a lot of these experiences, right. Like having a grandmother that was from another country and instilling all these traditions and values and, uh, you know, ex- helping you explore your identity through like these connections. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, am a fan of all those photos. So I'm the first one that likes them and hearts them <laughs> and gives you all the, um, crying eyes and hard eyes. Cause I think that a lot of women <laughs> are able to relate. And also now, um, you know, that cultural impact, you talk about parenting and your daughters, like now that your grandmother, you know, your grandmother isn't here, unfortunately anymore, but how do you keep these traditions, these teachings alive uh, through how you um, expose them to your daughters? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, um, in many ways, I almost like identify as first gen, even though I'm technically not, or I very much identify with like being raised by immigrants <laughs> um, <laughs> in part because I, I mean, my, my grandmother was a second mother to me, right? And so I got a lot of that from her and I literally was. Um, you know, in some sense, raised by an immigrant and had that, you know, experience, um, as of course, you know, my mom did, too. Uh, And so there's a lot with that, not and not to like stereotype, but you know, I think an emphasis on academic achievement and, um, you know, excellence and, and whatever I, I did, right, I wasn't sort of pressured to be like anyone or, and I think that is, you know, sort of the at least for the South Asian community, there's sort of the you know, joke of like, you either, um, you know, y- you can either be a doctor, right, or go into um, science or, you know, the medical field, or like, if you fail at that, maybe you can be a lawyer, and that'll be acceptable. <laughs> um, and it's interesting, I mean, I, I give a lot of credit to my grandmother, who did, you know, kind of take that more traditional path. She was a, a, sci- a scientist, right? Um, and you know, other um, members of my family likewise were, you know, involved in, in the, in the sciences and anyway, but she never like pressured my mom and aunt, right. To become a doctor or to, you know, do what she was doing. And, um, and interestingly, you know, the, the image that they had for, you know, becoming a lawyer was really rooted in the civil rights movement and, and activism and social justice, right. And, and the law and, the, and having a law degree being a, a tool, um, mm-hmm. to fight for racial equality. And so it's not quite in the way that I think we have this, you know, conception of like becoming a successful lawyer and what that might mean for sort of, you know, immigrant families, especially because it's like these types of lawyers like definitely don't make money, right? Like you're a public <laughs> lawyer. Uh, it, but to my grandmother, like that was, you know, the American dream was, um, you know, fighting for racial equity and, and for equal rights, um, you know, across different communities that, you know, we're a part of. So uh, in that way, you know, I, I, I credit not only my grandmother, but also my, my mom, where I was not pressured to be a lawyer. I had that example 
Um, it was something again that I, I saw every day. It was my worldview. And I think it's no surprise that I wanted to follow in their footsteps and I did go to law school, but it was always sort of like, you can do whatever you want, right? You just need to develop a real skill and, you know, be, have discipline and be committed to it and, you know, be excellent at it, right? Take it seriously, like work ethic, all those things I think, um, you know, were sort of passed on. And then you asked also about culture. I mean, that was, um, a huge part of my upbringing and, and through my grandmother, you know, um, not only through her personally, right, Indian culture, but also in the the Black community that we were raised in, that was also something that was really emphasized um, and also, you know, encouraged by her, right? She was very intentional um, as, you know, what were my mom and on and making sure that I had a, you know, sense of self and, and, and celebrated, you know, our, our communities and our uh, identity. And, and I'm really thankful for that. And it's also, again, something that I think about with my own kids, right? It's not just about kind of representation or showing them images that look like them. It's also about celebrating Black history, about teaching them about, you know, important figures and, you know, having artwork around your house that, right? And just the images and messages that we're also kind of passively, you know, encouraging, right? Teaching mm -hmm. them that stuff. Um, you know, an appreciation for, you know, music, right? All, I mean, for me, it was, it was everything, right? It was art and culture and um, music and food. And so we, you know, are, are, are taking that same approach and, you know, for example, you know, celebrating um, Indian holidays with them um, and teaching them about that. And, and it, it's very special and being able to contextualize that as, you know, your, your great grandmother, right? This, she was Indian and that's, and that you're Indian and that, that you know, mm -hmm. your special things that, you know, she taught mommy that, you know, we, we want to share with you. Right. And so it's about celebrating, celebrating our family, celebrating culture and, and also teaching it. Right. Um, and again, without an expectation of, you know, this is something that you're gonna do with your kids or right. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just about, you know, loving ourselves, loving our, our family and, and celebrating that in any way that we can. Um, and by the way, like having, <laughs> I'm like, we have a lot of different cultures to celebrate um, in our family. I'd say my, like the widest, you know, version when people are, are asking like, I wonder how Thanksgiving dinner is for them. Like, it's so <laughs> wild, but like we got a little bit of everybody. So um, there are a lot of cultures to celebrate. Um, and I, I just think that's really beautiful. Listen, all I hear when you say mm -hmm. is a lot of cultures is that means that there's a lot of different food and like. I'm good. Like I want a little bit of everything <laughs> exactly. anyway. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That makes me happy. Uh, you know, your background, obviously, as you mentioned, you went to law, um, Harvard Law School. You got your undergrad at Stanford and you've, you know, law was your introduction and then you ended up at tech, you were at Facebook, but now for the past four years, you've um, been growing your company phenomenal. Um, and that, you know, you recently shared a picture of you in your nursing chair um, and it was like, I, and you know, you're, so I, we can only imagine, right? This process of like, you have, you're nursing an infant and you have this company that you're launching and that you're growing. And, you know, I'm curious, what has been the thing that you've learned the most about yourself um, in this entrepreneurial journey that you've been on? Oh, that's a big question. I. I've learned so much about myself. I mean, I'd say the, one of the biggest things is almost like a return to who I think is like my true self, which is being a creative um, and really learning that that is, you know, who I am and at my core and what I love to do. And that, you know, building this brand and this business has allowed me to really tap it, tap back into that. I think I showed as a kid, a lot of, um, you know, interest in visual arts and, you know, other creative things. And I used to say like, I'm an artist first <laughs> and, uh, spent like all my summers at art camp. But, you know, as I said, I ended up going to law school and sort of was on this very traditional path of practicing law. But I think all along kind of knew that that was not necessarily for, for me, at least like for the rest of my life. Right. And I always kind of had that, I was being tugged sort of away, um, in terms of, you know, creative stuff. Um, so I think that's a huge thing and it feels really awesome to feel like I'm doing what I was like, you know, meant to do and, and what I was put here to do. Um, I, I think another thing I've learned is, 
and this is still something that I'm, you know, evolving in, but just a tolerance for uncertainty and the tolerance mm -hmm. for, um, like change, not change. I think I, 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 I think I was not, it's not like I was intolerant to change before, but yeah, I think it's more uncertainty and just kind of going with the flow and, and adapting and iterating and, and, and a kind of follow-up on that is, you know, in moments where I feel like I failed or I've misstepped or something didn't go the way that I wanted it to go, you know, having a, a tolerance for that too, and being able to reframe sort of my reaction or perspective on it of, of, of being an opportunity to grow and to learn and to get better. And I know mm -hmm. that sounds like really corny, but it truly is like a practice and a, a mindset that you have to really actively apply. And it's something that not only have I discovered that like, oh, I can do that, but um, you know, that's, it's really that concept of like a growth mindset. Right. And again, we hear these terms thrown around, but in practice, it's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's been in many instances where something like went the wrong way and I'm so just like frustrated or feel like I failed or something didn't happen on time. And, um, in a way that was not the case for me when I was like practicing law or when I was, you know, um, in, in tech where it's like, all right, step back, right? Like you, it, I think it's good to experience those moments and work through whatever those feelings are, but being able to step back and say, okay, what did you learn from this? Like you have to under, you have to view this as a learning opportunity to get better, to do it differently next time to iterate. Right. And, mm -hmm. and by the way, also learning that sometimes things that I view as like a failure or a mess up actually end up or, or delay, right? Like they actually end up making sometimes, or even oftentimes I realize that they make that thing better. Like yeah. even just, you know, if something gets delayed, it's like, oh, that extra time that I thought was a mm -hmm. mistake or that was a, you know, unwanted actually uh, allowed some other development to happen. And the thing, you know, ended up being that much better. Right. And like, just being able to appreciate that and be reflective, right. On kind of just going, embracing the process, um, which again, it's like such a corny like phrase, right. That I think is, is overused, um, really, but, uh, I feel like, so maybe that's also my answer, which is like all these like corny phrases that I thought were sort of like, but <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that's, a, I get it. I, that's, that's actually legit. Totally, totally makes sense. Uh, you know, so I can adapt it now. <laughs> exactly. That's so, that's so crazy. That's so true. Now that when you start thinking about, you know, even when you said embracing the process, I would always remember like mentors telling me, you know, you got to smell the flowers, smell the roses. And I'll be right. like, what does that mean? Like, I'm busy. I got things to do. I ain't got time to smell no roses. <laughs> and now that I'm in a meditation retreat about to start one for seven days, I'm yeah. certainly going to learn and take back to smell the roses. <laughs> I'm taking all that time. That's another thing I've learned, which is, and I think this applies to all of us. I think it's generally just around like mental health and like mm. giving your mm. mind a break. But another thing that I've learned is that as a creative, as an entrepreneur, like I actually require spaciousness mm. and white space yeah. to be good at what I do, which is, you know, being a creative, having big ideas and right. Um, mm -hmm. And again, I think it's sort of like, take a walk. That's good for, for everybody or stop and smell the roses. But I've uh, also come to appreciate how, again, it like, and, and when I don't have that white space or that spaciousness and I'm overscheduled or I'm stressed out because I'm running from one thing to the next and I'm back to back to back like that actually inhibits my you know creativity right mm -hmm. um, and again right. as it brings to all of us we know that like makes you more exhausted makes you more irritable makes you right not be able to really um, have a clear sort of mind to approach you know yeah. your work or your relationships or whatever and I really come to appreciate that too and I hate to kind of like tie it back to work, which is like, it makes me better at what I at like, you know, working, but I, I've now like, I'll force myself to like get on my Peloton for 30 minutes, like in between meetings, especially in moments where I feel like I'm just so frustrated or I'm like about to burst or like, I need to otherwise like lay down. Right. Just it's like, like frazzled oh. energy. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, you have to get on that bike. It's like, it's not even about like, yes, the physical exercise part of it is good and important also, but it's really like the mental, you know, um, strength and, and sort of ability to push through, uh, and give myself the space to do that. Oh, we're so Peloton, Peloton believers here. Yeah. We're Peloton so, believers. Like, <laughs> we are a part of the cult of Peloton. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I literally, I'm like, I, I sound really obsessed. I 
actually tweeted about Peloton today because it was just such a like moment of like, oh my God, I needed this so badly. And I needed it yesterday. I mean, it's another example of just also like the self-awareness, right? Of like, Mm -hmm. okay, you're approaching burnout or like you are Mm -hmm. irritable and whatever. And like, that's not good. And yesterday I was like, God, I need to do my bike so badly. And I just couldn't like, Mm I, my schedule did not allow it. And today I was like, you have no choice. I'd be like, you have to do this and figure out like how to work it in. Um, so anyway, yeah, I'm a huge, and by the way, like speaking of when I do it, my mind just like blows up with ideas. Ideas. I literally have like a note in my, on my phone. And then I have a handwritten notebook too. That's like Peloton notes, Peloton (laughs) racing to write them down. Cause it just like unlocks so much for me. I love that. Yeah. I I mean, I, I, that actually was my next question. Like, what do you do? Where do you go? What do you practice? You know, when you feel like it's just too much, when you're just overwhelmed, uh, is, is there anything that like you've learned or you found, uh, this year that has brought you peace that brings you back to center? Um, especially when it feels like there's so much going on. Yeah. I mean, basically my Peloton and my kids <laughs> and like family, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and spending quality time with them, um, is just incredibly nourishing and, you know, puts things in perspective. It, 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 it it means those like moments of levity and then just like love and, you know, getting hugged, but also like my younger daughter is hilarious. So just like giggling, you know, like it's sort of, I joke like kids, at least at this young age, like are very much like puppies in my opinion, (laughs) but it's also the like, like a comfort puppy also, right. Like you get all of the, right. It's also like chaotic and you know, basically, yes, they chew on shoes and like make your house a mess, like everything, <laughs> right? Uh, but there's also just that, you know, real um, self-care that I find in my my kids. I would say the other side of it is just like, I'm I'm notoriously bad at self-care. And I, uh, you know, we talk, just talked a lot about it. Part of it for me was just like being aware and like really mm-hmm. checking in with myself. Like I'm not always good about resolving it or responding to it in, in like the, the most, I don't know, holistic or like strongest way. And sort of just like taking it wherever I can get it. Um, and sometimes that means only 30 minutes on my Peloton or just like lying down, like literally making myself shut my computer and like lying on the couch for like five minutes to just like reset, you know, um, drinking a lot of water and I'm sorry, I know these are like very low standards for self-care, but, (laughs) um, Part of it too was just, as I said, like even again, the practice of like, how are you? Like, are you mm. on the verge of burnout? Are mm. you really frustrated and irritable or feeling, you know, a way in a way that's affecting your ability to communicate well or to be a good leader? Like all those things, right? I think it's just having that awareness and yes, ideally figuring out, okay, how do I, you know, like ameliorate this in the moment, right? And as I said, maybe it's getting on the bike, maybe it's taking a walk, maybe it's, you know stepping, closing your laptop, top, logging off of Twitter. I aspire to do the whole, like, as, as you're doing like meditation retreats and things like that. But I just, I don't know. I'm not disciplined enough for it. I, I blame it on being a creative. <laughs> There's a lot of things I, oh, it must be because my mind is just, I, I also low key just think that I have like ADHD and need to get uh, like diagnosed officially. But I just feel like my mind is like hard to like focus on something like that or, and stay silent. Are you kidding? No. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I, meditation. I feel it's like, like it's like, like Jess, you have, all, you have a lot of tabs open at the same oh my time. God, Jess has like 50 tabs open always. Yes. And it gives me anxiety. I'm, I'm like, Jess, it's so many. It's uh, that's totally me. That's and my you. friend who does ha- have ADHD is like, stop thinking every single thing that you do is like, oh, you must have, I'm like, but I should actually, you know, cause that's real. Like, uh, actually get like looked at <laughs> for it. Cause, but I feel like every time I hear somebody talking about, it, I'm like, that's me, uh, including, I don't know, like you have to visualize things or like you have to hang up all of your clothes to like know where things are. There was somebody, something somebody posted about like needing to have clear boxes instead of like putting things in 
like opaque boxes that you can't see what's in there. Oh, anyway, God. now I'm doing like self-diagnosis stuff and it's, it's mean, a joke like, with my friend where she's talking, like, I'm like, oh no, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm a hot mess. I mean, yeah, no, my partner is like the clean one for sure. He's like, I are, and I'm like, I agree when our space is like tidy, I do feel better, but it's like the getting to the tidy is like, <laughs> it's, it's the harder part. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Um, you know, for me, I think like on like a personal level, I'm always inspired by women who are like able to run their own businesses are super entrepreneurial. And I'm like, I also, I work in a creative capacity. So I feel you on like, like being a creative and having new ideas constantly. And I'm in this space where, like I mentioned, I was supposed to get married last year and in like the clock of everything, I was like, well, then I would be pregnant by now or trying to get right. But there's this whole there's, there is like a legit fear for myself who feels like a career that's like really growing and the idea of having kids and like, what does that mean for the future? And how does that like look? And I'm just like, you know, curious, almost like in an advice way, like, did you have that fear? Was, is, is it like, is this something that we maybe like think too much about? I've heard a thousand times from like moms, like you're never ready. Right. But like, at the same time, it's like, how can we prepare ourselves to be like, we're going to stay ambitious women who are going to keep going for it. And we could be moms and we can still like have both if we want to. Yeah. It's a big question. I mean, I think, um, I do agree somewhat with the advice of like, you're like, what does ready even mean? Like, you're never going to be ready, ready. It's never going to be easy. It's never going to be like perfect. It's not, you know, a lot doesn't go according to plan, like from the very beginning. Right. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. you just put so much on women in terms of, again, expectations of when you have babies and, uh, you know, and some of that is real. Right. And I think thankfully we, um, you know, have access to technology now around like freezing eggs or if people can feel like they have more control, obviously that is something that is available. That is very privileged to have access to something like that or have an employer that, you know, pays for it. So that's a whole layer, um, as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, and I, I think generally it's good to try to plan right for things. So like, (laughs) sure. But what I was going to say is that even with like starting with birth, like there's all this stuff and I saw it, especially, you know, in San Francisco, just this whole kind of like culture around, you know, whatever kind of judgment around like natural birth and like how women decide to have babies and, you know, so much of what you can try to plan for and you have this vision of it, like it doesn't always go according to plan, right? There's so many people that go in with a birth plan and you have to throw it out the window because you have to have an emergency situation or, you know, you have trouble, you know, breastfeeding. And that is a a big thing that you have to work through that you um, didn't anticipate or that, you know, breastfeeding um, is, and sorry, now I'm getting like really into the details of like (laughs) giving birth, like it's very painful, right? There's also the, um, again, this conversation around privilege, like so many women stop breastfeeding because they can't, you know, pump at work or they don't have access. Mm. Like there's just so much. And I think my perspective is just like, you make it work however it works for you. And I I almost Mm -hmm. like give advice because it's such a personal experience and just the, the experience and the journey depends on just so many like factors and circumstances often that are like not in our control, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, I always have said, like, if you're going to have two kids like that, you definitely can't plan for, like, it might as well just like, it's just crazy no matter what, you know? And That's I, what think, I hear the first, yeah. like, oh, well, you know, you could always pass it off The two. It's like, I mean, my thing is like having multiple children is not a rational decision. Like, but, <laughs> you know, like you're, you're, or, you know, maybe even having kids at all, like you're choosing to take on a very big responsibility that takes up a lot of time and is very expensive. Right. And you're deciding that you want to do that for whatever reason, right. For for happiness to grow your family, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. people to have kids. Um, so I think to me, I always like to shift these conversations away from like what individually we should be doing and recognize that there are so Mm -hmm. many systemic barriers that Mm -hmm. prevent women from, and, you know, caretakers um, in every sense that disproportionately are, are women from being able to juggle everything and being able to yeah. achieve and succeed 
um, while living their lives, while, you know, having children, while, you know, do, responding to whatever, um, you know, obligations we have, right? It, this idea of like work-life balance is something that I also reject um, for that reason, which is like, it's, you can't separate them. It's not about, mm. right? It's like, you're just mm. constantly juggling both and Finding they often the overlap, ones. right? Like we know yeah. that for, you know, women, um, especially on the topic of, of caretaking, right? Like whether it's an elderly parent, right? Or like that role disproportionately falls on women. We're talking about a sick child. Uh, it's something like, I can't remember the statistic, but women are much more likely to leave work to care for a sick child, right? Right, yeah, um, right, yeah. I'm guessing women are more likely the like point of contact for the school. So if something happens to your kid mm -hmm. and you're getting, you know, you get that call in the middle of the workday, like that is, you know, you, you deal with it, right? You have to leave, right? So I think we just have to um, acknowledge that like people should have the freedom to plan for having a family or, you know, make these very personal decisions and that we should set them up for success, uh, to live their whole full lives and to be able to, you know, have families and, you know, um, you know, do what makes them happy while also succeeding in their careers and all the other, you know, goals that we have. So my thing is like, you know, there's only so much you can plan for. There's only so much that you can do, but I think we also have to understand that we as a society make it so much harder than Absolutely. it, than it should be right. to do, yeah. to do all of it. For sure. I think um, I'm also the youngest of two daughters. I feel really fortunate that I was raised in a home where I felt like there's a lot that we could, I could do and accomplish. And, um, and I think my dad played a really big role into that. And I think that we often ask the moms and not the dads what they, you know, what they're doing to raise strong, confident women. Um, but I think the, if, if there is a father in the picture, that that role is equally, if not more important. And I think we love to see the partnership that you and your man have. And so in what ways do you think that he's been so critical in like building your daughter's confidence and, and their development? Yeah, I mean, I hesitate to make it like a gendered thing. You know, I think, um, I think rather it's his, you know, su support as an equal parent and being just as committed as I am to, you know, to your question of like giving them and um, raising them with confidence in themselves and, you know, lifting them up and, and, and emphasizing, you know, positive messages and looking, you know, finding books that, you know, have representation where they can see them. So like, I think, you know, it's a collaborative, um, you know, effort to, to raise mm -hmm. them. He's just as committed as I am to, you know, raising them to, to have strong opinions and to believe in themselves and to, you know, use their voices, all that stuff. Right. Uh, so, uh, that's sort of on that piece of just, you know, the kind of values and approach to parenting. I think, I mean, we just talked a lot about like support, right. For, mm -hmm. um, caretakers and for parents, um, especially for women who we know just in society, those roles disproportionately fall on women. Um, and we have a unique situation where Nick was able to, um, and made the choice to leave after we had our second, um, daughter, his, uh, his job in tech to be a full-time dad. And that was obviously like a very personal decision for him. And he wanted to have these precious years with them and was mm. in a place of, you know, relative privilege that he could leave his job and, and that we would still have, you know, financial stability. Um, but the other thing is that if, if I didn't have, if Nick were not a full-time dad, like there's no way that I could do everything that I'm able to do. And it's just kind of wild to appreciate that, you know, in terms of, I don't want to call it role reversal because it, it shouldn't be, you know, I mean, right, it right, right. Mm -hmm. doing, yeah. and, um, allowing, you know, that allowing me to, you know, do what I do, uh, in us being sort of equal, you know, parts in, in building our family and our, our careers, um, but, you know, there's no question that if I didn't have that sort of support that, you know, well, one, we'd have to, you know, hire for it, which is, again, a lot of people have the privilege to do that. We've not done that um, and have relied on, on family. And I, I, that's also very special, you know, that he's able to, you know, be, have that, um, play that role, um, especially at this young age. So it's just interesting, though, to think about it again, like in the context of 
um, that's so rare and it shouldn't be that rare, right? Mm -hmm. Um, For a number of reasons, like, you know, he was in the tech industry for a really long time and, uh, you know, was in um, senior, you know, roles and even just for him to have like taken paternity, uh, like parental leave, you know, with our first daughter, like for people to see and to take the full leave, right? And to mm-hmm. like, you know, for the most part, like be offline and not like still joining meetings or responding to emails or like that. We talk about culture shift and really modeling, you know, the like behaviors we hope to encourage that allow us to, you know, um, make sure that the, you know, these policies and practices that we institute in companies where we're treating you know, men and women equally that people actually follow through with that. Right. And, and that, that means nothing. If, if mom and dads get the same leave, it means nothing if only moms take it. Right. right. If, exactly. If yeah. there's not that same culture around dads. So, you know, I, I, um, it's, I'm, I'm really kind of like proud and that we have that, you know, um, model for, and our girls, right. Have that, um, model for, um, you know, parenting and, and seeing us, um, in, in, in the world and in that way. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I hope that like, not, I don't want to be preachy. Right. And so much of it comes down to like personal circumstances, but I would love to see more men who are able to, um, you know, taking their full parental leave, um, you know, and, and modeling, I think that culture that ultimately is about creating a more equitable society for women. Yeah, I love that. So true. Um, Mina, uh, last question. Now you said that you don't let other people tell you who you are. You say who you are. Uh, how do you want people to see you? <laughs> Is that really your last question? Uh, yes. Like a big question. I mean, no, we have, a, we have a lot more. We have so many more, but we have to go. We have so more, but we have to go. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think if I'm to answer that, like in the most simple terms, I just want people to like see me as my authentic, like true self. Um, Mm. And, and that's, I'm not saying like, Oh, I just want to be understood. I don't know. Maybe I am kind of saying that (laughs) I just, (laughs) you know, sometimes it's like, obviously I'm uh, my experience is somewhat, you know, unique in that it's like the political stuff and the, the, just, there's a lot. And um I try my best to just sort of like be myself and, and to be authentic. And, um, and, and I understand that like, that is not going to appeal to everyone <laughs> and like being okay with that. Uh, but yeah, I feel like, I don't know. Sometimes I wish that these other things that are somewhat outside of my control didn't like inform people's perception in a way that is not like who I truly am or who like my authentic Mm. like self is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but you know whatever like that's life (laughs) and uh it is what it is but I don't know that's a hard question but yeah I just like I I uh I I try my best I you know I try to be and I think we all are right I think ultimately all of us just Mm want to be yeah like understood and um and uh, yeah, so I think it's like a basic kind of like desire. Yeah. Okay, mm. for real, for real, your skin looks great. That's the last question. <laughs> Thank what you. What type of products are you using? Because the skin is glowing. <laughs> well, first of all, like shout out to my Zoom filter. So hey. if you don't use a Zoom filter, that definitely can give you more of a smooth appearance, um, especially on days like today where I have like huge dark circles in my eyes. Um, I drink a lot of water. I definitely, so I'm not in, I don't do, I don't have like a 50 step like skincare mm-hmm. routine. Thank I God. do definitely use like, <laughs> what did you say? I said, thank God, because I'm notoriously like two things and I'm out. I know exactly. Like I cannot, I already told you, like I'm a mess. Like I cannot be disciplined on that. I can only be disciplined about so many things. Um, so I definitely, I started using like, um, oil cleansers and like things like that is trying new, new products. But the one thing that I've always stuck to is like a night cream, um, and just like moisturizing and like SPF, you know, so much of, um, damp skin damage, uh, comes from sun exposure, mm-hmm. so trying to be vigilant about like, you know, like 50 SPF, like the highest SPF I can possibly get, um, and I've actually been really thankful this pandemic has just made me 
kind of just like not give a fuck about not wearing makeup um, <laughs> in a way that feels so liberating. That was not the case for me before. And so now I'm like, if I leave the house and I, you know, I'm putting on like SPF, I don't care if my face is like glistening <laughs> and no makeup with like SPF and I'm like running out. Like if I'm protecting my skin, like that's my number one priority um, at this point. So yeah. And say, I mean, you saw I joined our zoom today looking like this, so you could tell that I definitely don't care. <laughs> I mean, you look, it looks you amazing. Turn me on to the fact that there's a Zoom filter. I'm like, okay, we yeah. gotta hang up because I gotta not. find it. Figure great. that one out. No, definitely look at the Zoom filter. It is, uh, in my opinion, like life changing, um, especially for someone who shows up like looking a hot mess. It like makes you look a little bit less of a hot mess. So that's, that's my nice pro motto tip right there. Pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, Amina, thank you so, so much for your time today. This has been really, really awesome. I know so many of our listeners, including ourselves, we just like really look up to you. We appreciate your voice. We appreciate the fact that you constantly are elevating the conversations and the needs of underrepresented folk. And we continue to be inspired by you. So we can't wait for, for what other books you've got coming out, what other merch you got coming out. We will continue to follow you and all you do. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's so good to finally get to chat with you. And thanks again for being flexible on all the scheduling craziness. And um, just thank you for all that you do to, you know, host these conversations and to create um, this community. And I'm really appreciative that you invited me to be a part of it. And it's so good to see you. Um, I hope it, at some point we all get to actually see each other in person. I feel like the last time, I mean, it was like years ago now, maybe like, when was that pop-up in, um, right? Oh my God. LA? It was, yeah. It was like it three was, years ago. Like three years ago. It's just crazy. So I look forward to, you know, getting to see folks in person and hopefully getting to see you guys too. Yeah. Like, and whatever always. we, however we can help too, to make sure that we amplify everything you're doing. Thank you. So the incredible Mina, I mean, I still can't believe that she actually like talked to us. <laughs> like, thanks girl. We appreciate like, you. Like, we, 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 we're honored. We're humbled by your face and your time and bringing, you know, just kind of guiding us through like so many questions. And I feel like at the end we were like, oh no, we've got lots more to talk about. Um, but obviously we didn't want to make this like a two hour, three hour episode, I know. Uh, but it was just really, it was also really, um, you know, it just felt really nice to, to chat with someone that we see, um, you know, like we've seen so much about lately and that we follow and kind of feel, you know, you feel like this connection with, with someone, right. But you don't really know them. And then when you get to talk to them, you're like, ah, okay. Like I, I, yeah, you are as authentic as you are when you share these things and well, when you do these TikToks. It's like when you, you know, when you um, watch like celebrity interviews before, before there was Instagram and now because of Instagram, you're like, yo, we could totally be friends. Like, yes. that's how I feel about Tracy Ellis Ross. And that is definitely how I feel about Mina. And after speaking to her, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Because it's like, right. there's something that's so effortless about this individual and also so like, unapologetic in who they are but they have such a good energy that you're yeah. like I just love what you're bringing to the table and it's something that I want to be around right because right it's like, it's like it's very much that I'm not perfect I'm figuring things out as I go but there's a confidence mm. in the way that I figure things out mm, and yeah. I love to be around women that are like that I love it's, it's almost like this infectious energy yeah um, and you know very much like what I would love to think that I am, but if not, what I'm hoping and inspiring to be. Um, so it was, it was definitely really, really awesome to talk to her. Yeah. And it's like, in again, to your point, like humbling of being like, thank you. We appreciate your yeah. time. We know you got a million things to do. Um, so we hope that y'all enjoyed this conversation as much as we enjoyed being a part of it because it was amazing. And I also, I'm just like, it was just such a woman power, like that the, the female energy she grew up around and like, you know, with her aunts and her mom and her grandmother. And like, now it's like, she's got two daughters and I'm just like, right. No, those girls are going to be badasses if they're not already. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And, and, you know, back to what you were saying with uh, being, you know, you wanting to be that, that person as well. One, you are your one badass dope homegirl and friend. 
And, um, and yeah, I felt like it's like, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I would be like, yo, Mina, let's hang out. Like, I know <laughs> I make a bomb margarita girl. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have some great food come through. Exactly. Um, so, you know, yeah, the, I think it's always nice for, right, for, you know, and when we can relate in that sense for both of us, where we have these just really effortless chats and we really get to see a part of the, of a person that we have seen in other, in other mediums, but now we get to experience it like ourselves. So yeah, super, super thankful to Mina for all we love that she's a Peloton user like us too. We were all like, Peloton, yeah. I know. Peloton family. <laughs> um, and also just dropping like the ultimate, like how to have flawless skin on your Zoom calls because y'all, we'll Seriously. show, we'll share. Her skin was looking amazing. And I was just like, amazing. how do you do it? And, and then she just like, and dropped it. And all I could find was like mustaches and like, <laughs> like brow filters. So I'm going to get on it, but Nonetheless, we are so appreciative to Mina and her entire camp who helped set up this conversation. And we right. hope you guys will check out her best-selling books, Kamala and Maya's Big Idea and Ambitious Girl, because they are amazing. And it's it's a conversation that I think is worth for little girls, for little boys, yes. for little non-binary babies everywhere. Um, mm. And it's just, you know, about us being our, our strongest best most ambitious selves which she's right. absolutely you know setting setting right. how to set the playing field for right and and support you know what she's doing with like all her with the phenomenal line and like uh you know giving money to different organizations that are in like real like huge need right now in the U.S. um you know just make sure you check it out and and support women who are about these causes that we care about you know who are about uh, so, you know, giving back to the community and standing up for issues and uh, inequalities that we're not okay with. I think that's that also I, I with everything that she does and, and all the campaigns that she's a part of, I feel like that's a huge message that she gives us, right? Like Absolutely. be about it, put your money, put your money where the, in the spaces and the places that you care about um, and support, you know, communities of color, support their brands support their outreach because it's we we need to make sure that we all become this echo this megaphone of the changes that we want to see in the world for sure for sure so we just thank you all so much for tuning in please follow um and continue to support mina follow and continue to support us you can follow us on wait hold up pod on instagram and tiktok and of course, email us at hola at weightholdsuppodcast.com if you have any thoughts about this episode or just want to say what's up. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, leave us a review. Let us know what you think, uh, a particular episode that you like, that you enjoyed, and share. Uh, that helps us so much in the moves and the places that they, that they place us in, in these podcast lists. Uh, and of course, thank you so much for, for checking us out wherever you listen to podcasts. We thank you all so much for your time, for holding this space with us. Until next time, bye. Bye. Wait, hold